0: So, just wanted to give people some background on how we got here. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. And as I reached for the last one they had on the shelf, another man reached for it at the same time. And as I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be a better way. And so I came up with a soccer chat mega episode that's going to be released on Festivus.
1: Soccer chat
0: with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Happy Festivus, everyone. Welcome to the soccer chat. Festivus special. Jeff has the aluminum pole over in the corner. Adam has a bunch of uh grievances that he's going to air later on in the podcast. And uh if you can make it through this episode, then you've accomplished one of the Festivus feats of strength. Festivus is not over until Adam has pinned me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That worries me. Uh.
0: <laughs> so we've got tons of things we're going to talk about. Well, first, let's just say thanks to BGN, Roughneck Scars, Icarus FC, all the folks that have sponsored us through the year. Um, we've got lots of things. We're going to talk about player signings, Red Wolves that are returning, new Red Wolves that have been announced. Jeff has an awesome interview with Gretchen Hamill, uh, whose title with the Lady Red Wolves, I don't know, but she is essentially the general manager leader of that group. Uh, he's got a she great interview. The,
2: she is the owner and the general manager.
0: Owner, general manager. There you go. Yes. Grand so Puma. she joins us. We talk about different things that are happening in all of League One. Adam, do you have interviews with fans lined up?
1: I do, yeah, we'll have a few fan interviews in well, as well in there, so that'll be talk good. Talk
0: to a few Red Wolves fans about why it is they became fans of this wonderful club, and then we turn our focus to the rest of the world. We talk a little bit about EPL. We maybe even uh, take a look around the rest of Europe. Um, I know, Jeff, you're interested in giving an update about the uh, Slovakian First Division. Mm. Um, and then we end with the best Biggleswade report ever in which I was able to get representatives from all three Biggleswade clubs for a little brief interview to tell us about what's going on over there. So buckle up, everyone. And, uh, yeah. So we've got quite a few returning players that have been announced. And I'm just interested in your guys' thoughts. So, so far, we have seen Jason Ramos, Jonathan Ricketts, Ricky Ruiz, Ronaldo Pineda, Marky Hernandez, Tim Trilk, and most recently, Walefi Dos Reis, the first third-year player coming back. So, guys, who is your, who's the one coming back that you're most excited about?
2: Hmm. I, I, you know... Out of this list, I'm going to go with Ricky Ruiz, and um, just because what he, there's a noticeable change when he's not on that pitch. Just for our, it he he impacts creativity. He gets the ball moved up, but he's also a decent uh, defender, though his focus is mostly offense. So I'm going with Ricky.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Ricketts um, for two things. Number one. I I think he had a really solid first full professional season. And number two, he has a very large local fan base because he is a local boy. And I think as we hopefully move into our first non-COVID restricted season in the stands, we'll be able to see larger crowds than we saw this last year. And I think him being on the pitch, maybe getting his first goal in front of the, the home fans I'm looking forward to that and listening to that roar of the crowd. So that's probably my most exciting one.
0: I forgot to mention during the intro, uh, Ricketts had reached out to the program and let us know that we are the number one Spotify podcast for Jonathan Ricketts. So Woo-hoo! that's, you know, Emmys, Emmys are nice, but, but that's uh that's pretty high praise, I think.
2: Well, I, um, I think it's interesting that we picked Ricketts and Ricky because, they're, they're they're kind of twins of each other insofar as they're playing on the other side and when one plays well the other does you know so they they're yeah I, I do think that they fit together like peanut butter and
0: jelly. So for me, the one that I think I'm most excited to see is the one that really we know the least about which is Tim Trilk. So, hmm. you know, we're very excited for Alex Mangles, uh, most likely going to be moving on. It sounds like he's got some very interesting prospects in USL Championship, and we didn't get to see Tim play at all last year, but the club is very high on what he's done in practice and behind the scenes and how hard he's worked. And just the few times that I got to the stadium early to watch warmups, you could, you could see the talent was there. Um, And so just the, you know, the prospect of the unknown, I think, is what excites me the most about what Tim Trilk is going to bring in goal.
2: Well, talking with some of the other players just off, uh, unofficially, but also watching them work with Tim, it does look like he's got a very good working relationship with our side, and they've already got trust in Tim, uh, Tim, and I think that's going to be key.
0: Yeah. Any other thoughts, Adam? Yeah, I I
1: wanted to piggyback a little bit on what on what Jeff said about the our two choices on, on the opposite sides there uh, on the defense on that back line is they're not only play off each other really well, but they're also both offensive con- conversions that were done by Coach Oblata that I think it, it shows his ability to, to pick out talent and recognize where they can be the strongest. And he's brought a lot out of those guys. But also I, I mentioned the goal for – that I see coming for Ricketts next year, I I, I think it's a, a, a big part of shows, the offensive mindset that Oblata has and, um in putting, you know, an offensive minded guys on those wings to, to carry over and, and to do a lot of that stuff. So like, ultimately I'm really looking forward to an even more um, tailored team to what Oblata wants to put together. Cause I think what he showed us, glimpses of last year he has even more of a hand on on the building of this team and i'm really excited to see what those new players bring along with those uh returning players to really give obledo the the strength that 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 he talks about which is that offensive you know never back down stat strategy so that's probably my last part that has to do with the returners
0: i think Hmm. that is a excellent point of you know, taking those offensive-minded guys, putting them on the wings because he really does want the wingbacks to be pushing high up the field and to get involved in coming forward and putting crosses in the box. And you talked about his idea of wanting to be dynamic. I think that's really reflected in the new players that have been announced so far, new signings. Uh, We have Jose Carrera-Garcia, who is a Uh, a midfielder joining us from Las Vegas Lights. There is Jimmy Villalobos, who is a midfielder that is joining us from Cal Poly Pomona, uh, which is actually the college that, um, that Jason Ramos joined us from. And then we have Jackson Dietrich, who was a player that was involved in the Chattanooga Combine. So I'm thinking this is the guy that uh, Obleda alluded to in the interview in our last episode about who they were going to be signing. But he's uh, he's a forward, so he's going to be kind of a center forward, number nine type player in the attack. And uh, Josue Espana, who is also another midfielder that's coming from UC Santa Barbara. Um You know, we don't know much about California colleges, but from what I've been told from people who uh, came to the Red Wolves from the West Coast, both California Santa Barbara and Cal Poly Pomona, where we've got some of these players from, they are very, very strong colleges uh, in the levels that they play at. So these are dynamic players. It's very exciting. Um, You know, it's hard to say, hey, guys, which of these are you the most excited about? Because really – All we have to see is highlight reels, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you anyway, which of these guys do you think is the most exciting to come to the team?
2: Uh, Well, I think the one I've, I guess, paid the most attention to was the first one out was Jose Garcia. And he's coming in with, uh, you know, with some really good experience. Some of these other players are coming in a little younger, uh, coming more out of college. But uh, Garcia's already got time in Liga MX. Uh, as well as an USL championship. So I think he's the one that's the, that's the big signing so far, but uh, I am also curious to see, I haven't seen any footage of Jackson Dietrich because we do Dietrich's rather well at uh Chattanooga Red Wolves.
1: Yeah, he will be the third different Dietrich. Um, <laughs> So that that's just kind of a weird thing because it's not like Dietrich is is the most <laughs> common name you see in the U.S. So for there to be three different Dietrichs on the team three for the three full years we've existed um, seems like it's going to be a hard thing to continue going forward. But I, I give I give all the credit in the world to Sean McDaniel for continuing to find more Dietrich talent wherever he can. Uh, so th- this is going to be one of my big pet peeves with the Red Wolves and with USL in general can we stop acting like these players came straight from college and that they haven't been playing for other, other leagues specifically Nisa because both Espana and Villalobos played for the LA force in Nisa last year. And we've got tape from when they played at the same level, according to the the United States soccer, same level as what league one is. So we've got a bit of an idea of what that looks like. Um, you know, playing for the LA Force, we get to see a little bit of what what they can do. They, both these guys also played for the NPSL, um Golden State Force, which is you know kind of the was what existed prior to the LA Force me- becoming a NISA team. Um, so I would just I, I just want to kind of point that out. These guys aren't just coming straight from college. They're twenty five year olds. If they were coming straight from college at twenty five, there's a problem there. Um, because th- that's not the normal age that you're coming over from college. It's usually 21, 22. So th- that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, these guys are, like I said, they're both 25 year olds, Dietrich's 24. These aren't young guys, right? Like they're the same age as Carrera coming from the Las Vegas lights. So he's not just bringing in young guys that are, that, that, that have no experience, if that makes sense. Um, cause we're replacing some older guys, right? Amen's you know 37 years old. Uh, you know, I think it's safe to say he's probably never playing another game of professional soccer, he may coach somewhere. Uh, but you know, so it, it's not like these guys are like babies, is what I'm getting at. Um, you know, it's still going to be a very young team overall. Like, I mean, you, you've got you know, players like Ricky Ruiz, who's 24, and, and Ricketts, who's 23. These guys coming in, but they're, they're not 21 year olds, he's not bringing in a a bunch of really, really young guys, um, to replace these other guys is the only thing I kind of want to get at there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point, but also to me when they're with these guys and what you're hearing about them is that they are dynamic midfield players. So they're adding depth to that midfield that we talked about kind of being our Achilles heel last year as people got injured, uh, and they're going to be very dynamic attacking Um, You know, they they look to put passes through and challenge defenses. So it's not going to be the kind of I'm going to receive the ball, I'm going to turn back and I'm going to send it to a center back and I'm going to go trot back over to the other side of the field. These are guys that are going to be looking to take people one on one, looking to make moves, looking to, to, you know, put that through ball into the winger. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, there's, you know, I'm sure they got some training, but they've got some some real good quotes talking about wanting to join this club and play to win. And so, you know, it may not get you all the social media fawning to worry about actually winning, but that's part of why I enjoy this club compared to others around the lower levels of soccer is, you know, they're not putting the Red Wolves together for Instagram clout. They're putting it together to win trophies.
2: Well, I think one thing we haven't mentioned yet—something to be really excited with a new player—is you sign a guy whose first name is Jimmy, uh, same as our coach, and his last name is Villa Lobos. Uh, which, the, what does that mean again, guys? Uh, I think it's uh,
0: city, city of wolves.
2: C- city of wolves. So yeah, he's he's, he's he, now the the bar is raised very high for this guy. He has to be the ultimate wolves player. Uh, so welcome to Red Wolves. And uh, so uh, that I think that's that's going to be great um, outside of the name. And, and it's kind of fun with, with the name. Yeah, I, I wasn't suggesting these guys are straight out of college. But what, what I was highlighting Garcia's uh, um, level where he's been able to play such as Liga MX, as well as championship.
0: So it'll be exciting to see what they do when they come into uh into camp whenever that will be from from what I'm hearing they're kind of waiting to hear when the league is going to announce the beginning of the season so that they can work backward and decide when to start their uh their preseason camp. Uh it could be could be as late as March, it could be as early as early February. We'll have to Wait and see what League One announces. There's going to be more signings. Um, you yeah. know, from what I have been able to get from talking to folks in the front office, the California Combine was even more impressive than what they were able to put together in Chattanooga. And there is, I believe Josue Espana was one of those players signed from that Combine. And I think there's probably three, maybe even four or five more that they're going to be announcing later in the winter. Um, and as well as the announcement that came recently about Wally coming back again from other conversations I've had that the team has neither confirmed nor denied with me uh, that there are a couple other players coming for a third year as we wonder, speculate um, and this is all irresponsible speculation, none of this has been confirmed or anything Who, who's a player for, of that that you guys would love to see come back?
2: Well, I haven't heard. I think it was interesting because we have heard that Roe is back and that Ricky is back and Marky is back. We've not heard anything about Ami. And I I would think with the rest of the grouping there that Ami would have been made mention to. uh, And, of course, I don't know the extent. Of course, he's been out for most of the season. That may have a play into it. But I would be surprised if Ami wasn't coming
1: back. Yeah. I I think I think it would be good if Ami came back, but I think um, like if if you're asking like who do I think is a possibility to actually come back, um, based off of our, our roster versus who I really want to come back, I think those are two different things, right? But if you're talking yeah. about like when I look at who we have that I think could be coming back, uh, they haven't really produced to a level that I think they're gonna they're out of contract or out of the option year and they could go on to championship or even MLS. Uh, when I look at that group of people, like someone I, I would have liked to. You know, to to see come back that, that we haven't heard anything about is, honestly, it's pa- Patrick Akanaquo. Um We didn't see a lot of him. He I think he played a total of eighty eight minutes all of last year. Um, I just wonder what it would what would he look like if he had a full year, of a full training, and a full chance to really mesh with the team. Because I think Greg Hurst is gone, right? And so if Hurst is gone, they haven't brought any other attackers up top. And I had to pick from what we already had. I'm going with the Conoco.
3: Yeah,
2: um, well, hopefully Jackson Dietrich is going to be filling a lot of that role, but we don't know for sure. But I, you, you do mention Greg Hurst, and I think that's a great example uh, to to compare with because Greg came in mid-season the first year. He was, he, of course, he he had a, a bigger impact his first year uh, than patrick did but he's an example of then the second year with the, getting that full preseason, uh he was j- just even greater so i'm hoping that patrick like greg did you know by by getting the the preseason is going to connect a little even, even more with our guys
0: i think those are two fantastic answers uh for me i think the one that I'm hoping to hear coming back is a guy who was a rock in the midfield as the number six spent most of the season as the captain uh, mm. is a, a great player that emphasizes quiet leadership. Um, but, but goes out and plays hard and that's Josue Soto. Um, I would love yeah. to see him come back and kind of reprise that role and be uh, the steady captain and the leader of the team as some of these other you know, younger, flashier guys are out there doing things and he's just kind of quietly in the background pulling those strings. Um, I think that would be amazing. The one thing that gives me hope about Greg Hurst is I have not heard or seen many instances of players moving up from League One to Championship like we saw last year. You're not hearing about this guy or that guy uh, you know, you're not hearing about Alex Morrell or Jay Keegan or, um, you know, some of the players that were playing with Richmond, um, the Vanacore Decker that everyone thought was so wonderful in Omaha. None of these guys have seemed to have been able to parlay that. If Greg Hurst is kind of in the same boat of not really getting those offers from championship, um, Greggy, just want you to know, arms arms are wide open here. And, uh, and come back and show all those championship clubs why they were wrong to pass on you in the Open Cup.
1: So uh, the only thing I'll say to this that I'm wondering is, it, you know, there's a lot that's been going on with the Players Union and uh, some of the holes that they've kind of placed out there for approving foreign players' uh, visas. It's, it's hmm. uh, basically the... As they recognize, and they are recognized, um, but as a recognized um, union, they have to kind of put their stamp on that. And I know that Greg is an existing one, but I don't know if because he's been here for two years, if it has to be renewed and if that's going to cause any problems. I'm wondering if if that's playing into it at all. I just don't see how a Jake Keegan and a Greg Hurst, those type of guys, don't get a chance in championship because I think they've proven all they need to prove at this level. Um, And so I don't know if that's part of it or if it's just, he's already signed somewhere, but they're waiting until after the the holiday time during that dead January, February, March period. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who knows? But if if you're right, if he doesn't end up at championship and the Red Wolves don't bring him back and they allow him to escape to some other league one team, that's a huge miss. Yeah,
2: well, it's uh, we still got COVID lingering over us uh, to as a wet blanket. And that does have a big change or, or big impact on crossing over borders and so forth. Another impact, uh, Greg, he's from Scotland, which is part of the UK, which in a couple of days is actually going to have their Brexit. And in clubs in the UK, uh, it's going to be difficult for them to get international players. So who knows? I, you know, it, would it be possible that Greg could get back in the UK? I'm not saying in championship, I mean, on uh, premier league, but possibly in championship level, because they're not going to be able to pull from as many international to, players in Scotland and in the UK.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying that I, I don't think, I just don't see him as being championship level caliber, maybe league one over there. I don't think that mm-hmm. there's an equivalency to, usl championship to ep into to the english championship level like i just don't see it um i think we're i think i think mls is on par with championship and he's kind of go down a level for everything is is how i view it but you know i i wouldn't be surprised if that's something he's interested in but i think there's also value in the fact that getting to be in the u.s uh, at a young age just the difference in that you know talking to you know, other international players. It's something that they do seem to enjoy while they're here. So maybe he sees it as an opportunity to stay over here while he can. Um, mm. But yeah, I think I think you're 100 percent right. I think that you will see it become harder to get some of those younger, you know, I'm talking 18 to 22 year old players that in the in the past may have been filled up by international players uh, because of the the difference for. Uh, the requirements for getting a, a player visa for if they when they were part of the European Union versus now after Brexit. So, yeah, I think that will have an impact. And that's one of the things that's interesting is everyone keeps talking about the impact on the English game, but there's impact to, to the U.S. game as well because uh, some of those second-tier players become stars in the MLS that may not even be available to us because they're, they're getting spots in championship um, over, over there. So that's another interesting... That.
2: I did want to come back around. Um, you had uh, talked a little about uh, Josue Soto. Of course, I would love to see him back because then we would lead the leagues in Josue's. But uh, more importantly, you talked about his leadership and he brought tremendous leadership last year. But with losing both Beatty and losing Leo Fola in the back, I think it's going to be crucial that we have that kind of legacy of leadership and I think Jose uh, Soto is the most obvious one to help carry us to the next level. Does that make sense? To fill in the gap mm-hmm. that was, because he already filled in the gap quite a bit with Beattie, even though Beattie was still around but with, with also losing uh, Leo's leadership in the back, I think it's going to be even more important to, to, to keep a strong leader on the team.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point. I think I think that sometimes the things that you do, just through you the example you lead, and I talked about kind of the uh, the ages of our players. You know, Soto's also one of the older guys that, that's that's left over from last year. I, in fact, uh, looking at it, he was the oldest player that um, was a consistent starter last year. So, yeah, I think he brings the leadership not only through. Um, the way he carries himself and, and taking control but also through his just vast experience compared to some of these 23 24 year olds
0: all right excellent stuff right now we are moving on so we've we've talked about what to expect with the male red wolves and we are now going to go with Jeff who is having a discussion with uh, Lady Red Wolves owner and general manager Gretchen Hamill talking about what she's going to be expecting in the January 3rd tryout that they're going to be having uh, so that they can go to their second full season with the uh, NWSL, not NWSL. What am I thinking? What are they? What's the women's league that they play in?
2: They play in the WPSL. They're in the WPSL. Southeast Conference. Yes, and they are the reigning champions for the Southeast Conference.
0: All right, so let's go to Jeff and Gretchen.
2: This is Wolfman Jeff here. I'm with Gretchen Hamill, who is the owner and general manager for the Chattanooga Lady Red Wolves. Hey, Gretchen, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. It's good to be here. How are you?
2: I'm doing really good. Hey, I'm really getting excited for 2021. A lot of Red Wolves action happening, but the return of the Southeast Conference champions for WPSL, Lady Red Wolves. So um, I know this last year you weren't able to play due to COVID restrictions, but the right. last time you played, which was the first year, you guys, i th- was it like eight, one, and one, eight wins, one loss, one draw? Um, I believe you are correct. Yes. That sounds, wow.
4: that sounds right. Yes.
2: So – only one season, but it is – that was a phenomenal season you guys had, and you went off uh, – you guys got off to the playoffs. Uh, so tell me just a little bit about that excitement of the first year at the gate and already just, you know, firing on all cylinders.
4: Right. Well, we just – we have such a good um, local bunch of, of players and a good core of players that um, have – um, played together for a long time. And we just, um, we we these players are friends and they love, um, playing together and they love just, they just support each other. It's a good core group of players. And we brought in some new awesome talent, um, in 2018, um, 18, was it 2018, 2019, 2019. Yeah. And so we just had a really good, just a great group of players um not only talent wise but also just just the personality of the players and what we were able to put on the field they just worked well together and it just clicked um so we were really thankful for that we had great coaching um staff um that that knew how to bring the best out of the players and it just seemed like um you know, these players just really wanted to play for each other and work hard for each other, represent Chattanooga well. And, um, and it's just, I I just can't say enough about the character of these players. They, they just are um, just some of the best, the best people that I know. And, and when you put them out on the field, that character just shines through when they're out there. So um, yeah, it was a very exciting season. Um, I think we were excited just, um, you know, just for, the new things on the horizon and um, we're excited to move forward and to play in the stadium this next year. So um, it's, it's just a, it's just a great group to, to work with. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Now the the first year that you played, you were, uh, you were at uh, Davis Stanton field, which is where, uh, where the other uh, Red Wolves were playing. Uh, But now you get a chance to be first time to CHI Memorial. So tell me how you feel about getting into this new stadium.
4: I mean, how could you not be excited about that? I mean, we are just so pumped. I mean, all the players, I mean, we have most of the players that we had our first year of our program are returning. And so um, we are just super pumped. And the girls, they just could not, I say girls, but the women players, they are just so so pumped to play in a professional soccer stadium with, with professional soccer lines and amazing uh, playing surface. So, um, and, and just the hype with the Red Wolves and just the community um, that we have um, supporting us. It's just, it's just such an exciting future that we have. So we're really pumped.
2: <laughs> so are you able to, to let me know which players are going to be coming back or are we, we, are we waiting on that announcement?
4: Yes. So um trying to think let me that's a good question if I can tell you some of the players um I'll tell you let's see I can tell you one player that um probably a lot of people might be asking about um our leading scorer she's been a several time all conference all WPSL all-star um offensive MVP Carly Banks she will be returning so I will I will give you that one
2: how about that (laughs) (laughs) very good well I know she is uh I believe she also works at UTC. Is that, is that correct?
4: Um, That's, that is Jess Shepard. So Jess oh, Shepard, okay. she's the new grad assistant at UTC for the women's program there. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so yes. And Jess Shepard is local, um, you know, here in Chattanooga and working um, for UTC. So yes, we do have several girls that are several women that are still here in chattanooga
2: so yeah because you you had a combination the first year of several local of course chattanooga area but a little further out i think uh uh through cleveland and uh of course i think carly i think is from um uh atlanta area but you right. had some international players including including holly and right. i i you would see her everywhere and her smile was yes. just infectious, but you had, so now coming up, you guys have, uh, uh, after the first year, on that first Sunday, and I'm assuming it's at CHI Memorial, the 3rd, you are guys are having tryouts, is that correct?
4: Um, yes, we will, with the plan, the plan for right now is to have our tryouts on January 3rd, um, and the tentative plan is to have our tryouts at CHI Memorial Stadium um, but that's going to be um, pending on COVID and just just some of the other things that are you know up in the air right now. Um, so we'll just see how we're still trying to finalize um, staff for our um, 2021 season as well. Because as you know, Billy Sparks was our head coach, and he and his lovely wife and family moved to Florida. So we have had to um, look to uh, fill his his role, and he did a fabulous job last last season and. So we're we're working through just finding um, the best fit going forward. So um, so yeah. So there's there's a few things that kind of have to fall into place for that to happen. But we're hoping with all of our might that uh, we do get to have our tryout on January third and get to be in the stadium. So.
2: All right. So how does someone um, if someone is is very serious on their soccer and feel like they're, they're ready for that how how do they get in on the tryout?
4: Um. Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, so what I would recommend, um, the first steps I would recommend someone to do is, is to get on our website, um, where they can find how to contact us, uh, directly. There are, um, there's email, there's, there's a contact tab on the Chattanooga Lady Red Wolves SC website. Um, and then there's direct con- like email contacts to contact us. Or another way is just to follow us on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are constantly. I mean, regularly posting about the updates of our tryout. So, and then on those social media posts, we have links to where you can register for the tryout. And that's really ultimately all they would need to do is just to get on those links, reg- You know, just go ahead and register and we get every, we get all the information that we would need on that person going forward. Um, so yeah, we open the tryout, it's an open tryout um, for for everyone. Um, so um, if, if they're interested, they're, they feel that they can compete at this level, um, then sure, we would love. Just bring it, bring your best, bring your best game to the tryout, and sign up and uh, register through that. There's also a link on our website. So um, if you get on our website, um, there is access. There's a, a tab or a um, there is a um, a link to where you can register um, for our tryouts. There.
2: Okay, so at the last time that you had the tryouts. Um, before your first season was there anyone that wasn't on your radar that made the team and really shined even though you hadn't seen them be before the tryouts
4: oh wow that's a great question okay so i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to go back and to think about
2: we're a uh, thinking person's podcast you know yes. <laughs> we do the deep research
4: i like that i like the questions they're very good you have some great questions and challenging so this is really good let me let me go back and think about that tryout. Um, you know, we've we've, you know, I've been here in Chattanooga in the soccer community, and a lot of these coaches um, that we kind of have a good a good sense of kind of what is around here. But um, but I'm I'm almost thinking, who was it? Let's see. Um, I think. I think Macy Fox came to the tryout, and and I think I do think that she was one that um, came to the tryout, and we weren't. Um, and I don't think I don't know necessarily if she was on our radar before that tryout. Um, and there is another one too. Oh. I can't think who it was, but I I really do think it was Macy Fox was one of them. And then she ended up being our starting left back. So she was, she was a former UTC player and, and played incredibly for us in our first season. So
2: well, yeah. the reason I mentioned that was so that if you're sitting there, if people are thinking, "Is it worth your while to come to these tryouts?" Oh, the day, yes, absolutely. these tryouts do produce forward. Now, you said you're looking for a new coach. You haven't ready to announce that yet. Is there anything else in the staff for the front office that's returning, or is there anyone else new for us to to know about? In the
4: in the front office, so I will be returning as usual. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm 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 always I'm always around. Um and our game day staff will still be consistent. Um yeah, so right now we're just kinda considering um our our former goalkeeper coach, she just also had a newborn, she has a newborn, so we're looking to to probably um to replace her if that's if that's something that she is wanting to do we're kind of up in the air if if what what she wants to do for the summer we're not really sure you know so that's also up in the air as well Um, but right now our our priority is really just honing in on a head coach and filling that role Um, and then our game day staff and our operations like Carly Banks um, not only is she a player but she also helps me a lot um, with when you see those amazing graphics on our social media she is multi-talented person she makes those graphics and so she is a really good graphic a graphics person so um I appreciate her a lot and and um so she's behind the scenes really you know not only a player on the field but also working behind the scenes helping this program to uh to get noticed and get some publicity and and to market as well so she does a great job.
2: I know that uh When you guys had played in 2019, you guys not only on the field, but you guys were everywhere in the community. Of course, this year changed everything uh, with with COVID-19. But in the future, if we get back to Ideal, and it may not be 2021, it may be 2022, but you guys were also involved with the Academy. Is that correct?
4: Um, Yeah, so... That is that is interesting that you brought that up. It's it's something that since the Academy is, is fairly new and the women's team is new uh, for the Red Wolves, we've really tried to make that a huge priority is to really connect those two organizations, especially on the female side. And that is really a priority, not only for just Chattanooga Lady Red Wolves, it's a priority for the Academy and for the Chattanooga Red Wolves that we have a good a good flow, um, you know, uh, a good, um, you know, path to pro kind of, kind of scenario for these female girls. And, and there's a lot coming there. There's a lot of things coming ahead that we have planned um, for the female athletes in, in not female athletes, the the female soccer players specifically um, in Chattanooga coming up that we're just really excited about, like just, getting behind these players, um, getting them some college exposure, and hoping to streamline that process and and to put into place a good path to pro process um, for these academy players. We do have several of our Lady Red Wolves players are, well, I'm a coach at a high school in town, but we do have um, two current um, Lady Red Wolves players that are coaches um, that are coaching for the Red Wolves Academy, and then we also have, you know, someone like Carly Blank Banks and Brittany Reed that are coaching. Not um, they're in Atlanta, so they're coaching. they coaching teams there. So um, it it really is. I love to see that. You know that there are, there are female players that are playing at this level, but they're also it's their passion to give back to these younger players, and that's what they're doing. And it's their passion, and they love it. And so yeah, they're so they're. Those connections, and I think what you're talking about, like, we have been involved in a lot of camps with the Red Wolves Academy and um, in the tryouts for the Red Wolves Academy players. And we are in the works right now of really really just connecting that Red Wolves Academy female academy with our women's team. And that is something that's very important for our future. So we're really excited about that.
2: Well, fantastic. Now I know the tickets are on sale for the 2021. I'm sorry, for the 21 season. Right. And um now it's they're only it's only fifty dollars for a for season tickets. Is that correct?
4: Yes, yes it is. Yes it
2: wow. is. I that's amazing. And again, that's at brand new CHI Memorial Stadium. Now right. they can get that not just online, but but uh they can also get uh season season passes as well as uh Lady Red Wolves merch. At the Red Wolf store downtown, is that correct?
4: Right. Most of that merchandise is going to be um, is going to be just the basic um, Red Wolves, uh, just the Red Wolves branding stuff. But we mm-hmm. will coming out when it gets closer to our season. We will have some specific women's team uh, branding merchandise that will come out closer to when our season starts. That's you'll start to see that more, um, and and most of the time you'll see that more at our games um and then less at the store as much but we we really sell more of our merchandise at our games themselves so we really like to get people to our games so come to (laughs) 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 and and it really is a really affordable um season pass I mean even if you came to like three games in the summer I mean I think I think you really um it's worth it you know you're gonna probably pay more um you know if 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 you just bought the individual tickets or, you know, so yeah, or yeah. So I I would say it's really affordable. Um, And I would say most of the time when people come to the lady red wolves, we have a really consistent fan base. So when they do come most of the time, it's, it's, it's probably a better value for them to get the season pass Um, because they, you know, typically the people that do come to our, our games are, are uh, pretty consistent fans and they come to all of our games so so yeah so hopefully we have some people some interest in purchasing those season passes this year
2: so awesome yeah. hey Gretchen I really appreciate you taking the time and talking with you now again CHR Memorial Stadium there is not a bad seat in that stadium it's it's going to be fantastic oh, such a great bargain and you guys are going to be exactly. playing Friday night again or is that still to be decided when you're playing
4: Um, so it's still to be decided. We, we organize our schedule in January. That's when all the GMs and the the coaches get together in January. We, we, we get together and that's when we decide our schedule. Our season won't start until middle May. And you know, who knows what this, this next season is going to be like because, uh, because of the college seasons, a lot of our players come from colleges. So, um, so because now colleges are having to push their seasons into the spring, um, some of their college seasons may not get um, finished until June. So what that means is several of these WPSL teams may not get all of our players um, available to us until June. and um, Or the WPSL might decide to push the season back and play in June and then go into early August. I'm not really sure what their decision is going to be on that, but that is going to affect our season on some on some level. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, but we will, we will be playing. Typically we will be playing middle May. So
2: gotcha. Well, we look forward to seeing you on the pitch and thanks for joining us here on soccer chat. Oh, I've got one important question. I know that Alex will be upset if I don't ask you.
4: Oh my goodness. Okay.
2: What is your, (laughs) okay. So at Charlie's barbecue, uh, do you go for the brisket do you go for the ribs? Do you go for the pulled pork? What do you go for there?
4: Oh my goodness, that oh. Or the burnt I mean, ends,
2: burnt ends too.
4: Oh my goodness! I mean, you just said all of my favorite things. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to. I mean, I just love ribs, but I mean, at a barbecue place, you're gonna. I just, I'm gonna have to go for the brisket. So <laughs> the brisket. There you go.
2: <laughs> see, That's I'm, what I'll
4: choose. That's what I'll I, choose
2: today. <laughs> I, I saved the important thing for last. Hey, thanks for joining us here in Soccer yeah. Chat, and we'll look forward to seeing you next year.
4: Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here, and and we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, thanks. Thank you.
0: Well, yeah, well welcome back. Um, we. <laughs> Are going to shift our focus to the wider League One uh, as player announcements are coming out. Guys, who who around the league are you most afraid of as you look at who is being brought back to those clubs?
1: I mean, Greenville Triumph, Greenville Triumph, Greenville Triumph,
0: Greenville Triumph, then only Greenville Triumph.
1: Yeah, yeah, well,
2: I, yeah, going into it. Uh, it's still early on the signings, so I haven't seen anything on the signings that scare me, but um, G- Greenville is the big one. But you know what? This time last year, we, I think I was feeling that same way about uh, North Texas, and uh, they did not deliver to the same level. However, because North Texas is a two-side, I, I have every expectation that Greenville is going to have a strong edge going into this next year.
1: I mean, they brought back basically the whole team, and then added uh, Don Smart from oh yeah from Ford. So like, I, I I just feel like you're bringing in a, a veteran attacker in Smart who you know played with Indy Eleven, um, has already played 44 appearances for Ford Madison, so he's consistently still there, right? Um, he has, you know, eight assists and 59 chances created, which is pretty stout. Um Had a f- 51% shot accuracy for forward Madison and had nine goals in those two seasons. So it, I feel like that's a big pickup for them because it gives them just something else and also takes away something from, you know, a, a, a lower level team, right? Set, you know, team that's not made it to the top half of the table yet but still uh, he was probably their most marquee name if you had to think about it like if if, when you hear don smart you think of ford madison like he's he's you know he he he's kind of one of their best players over the last two years so and then you just add him to a massive return of, of a team that dominated the league i don't see how you can pick anyone else to be worried about
0: yeah, it, it's well, think- quite amazing, and and there again, it's the it's the thing that I noticed where you know they were a team again, wire to wire, that dominated the league, and they had the coach of the year, the defender of the year, the goalkeeper of the year. They had the guy who should have won MVP, but they got tired of giving Greenville players awards, and. <laughs> None of those people are moving on to a championship. Like there's no one in championship who thought, hey, gosh, maybe we should give John Harks a call and see if he's interested in stepping up a level. Um, and so they've, yeah, they've brought them all back. Um, I guess we'll see if part of that dominance was helped by some good injury luck in a shortened season. And if that, uh, if, you know, if over the, the course of a longer year, Uh, a lot of these other teams are able to catch up but man it's uh it's been pretty pretty good for them a good off season most of the others you know there's signings that make sense of guys that are that they're bringing back and teams that I think are going to be uh good matchups for the Red Wolves but but yeah Greenville is the one that's just you know shaking my head like why why can't we matriculate these guys (laughs) on and, and give other people a chance
1: So who do you think of when you look at the, the people that are not back? Um, is there anyone that stands out to you as surprising that you that you you say to yourself, wow, I didn't see that coming?
0: As far as like players being released from different teams? Yeah. Um, so for me,
1: it's Arturio Rodriguez from hmm. North Texas. It, like, It wasn't that he was out of contract. His option was
0: declined. That
1: amazes me. Like, why did they not keep wow. him?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good... Uh, I mean, I can't think of anyone, you know, not picking up the option on Juan Mare, I'm sure is going to come back and <laughs> haunt... Come back and haunt Omaha. Well,
2: we've not had a chance to see what's happening at everyone's combines. And so the what we don't see is who the side is seeing... That they want to bring in instead of the person that they let go, uh, so that's going to be interesting to see where all these pieces fall. And um, we still have a ways to go until we until we know the full sides. But uh, I am um, I am interested in watching Tormenta because they are starting to uh, some movement there. I think they picked up the striker from um, from FC Tucson, uh, Liadi. And I Liotty was OK at Tucson, but I wonder, is he going to do better in torment Because sometimes you go to a different side and the things that, um, you know, it's just it, it clicks. So that's the thing. We, we don't know what happens with the chemistry set there. And it'd be interesting. Uh, we don't have the resources to go to every combine and follow and see w- what's coming up. But um, I think we're going to be surprised at, at, at who's coming in and and head-scratching on the people that they let go, because we've been head-scratching on a few that, that the Red Wolves let go, such as uh, Leo Fola. At
1: least I've well, been I don't know, my head. Well, and I don't know that Leo Fola was a Red Bulls decision, right? He's not under contract. He didn't have an option left. I think you know if you read between the lines in his announcement on Instagram, I think they asked him if he, to come back and he decided that he wanted to pursue something else is the way that comes across to me. Because yeah, um, it's, you yeah, know, it's not like they're required to come back. Right. Until he signs with someone else, we don't know for sure. But he's
2: one that I would have assumed we would have done everything to get out there. And we, what we don't know is what Leo has in the works. The other thing what we don't know is the Red Wolves haven't signed any defenders yet. So that's interesting to see. There may have some... There's some behind-the-scenes business I'm expecting is going to is going to come out. So uh, I haven't seen what we haven't done with the Red Wolves yet. I don't. I haven't seen us sign any players from any other clubs, and so I'm not sure that, if that's going to happen or not. And in other words, I'm sorry from other League One clubs.
0: I think when you look back at the previous year, it was kind of the same. Uh... The same thing there, you know, we, we weren't bringing guys in from other league one clubs there. They seem to, you know, with, with the connections that Jimmy Oblata has in California, Southern California soccer, they seem to feel like there's a lot of unmined talent there. And that it's, it's, that's where they're going and what they're looking for uh, to be able to build their club and coming with guys, you know, local people as well, as far as, jonathan ricketts and you hear them talk a lot about what they're going to be doing for um you know players through the chattanooga academy the red wolves academy that is um you know having really a lot of success has got players going on uh committing to top division one schools to play soccer um and so it's it that seems to be the route that they're going instead of you know, trying to bring guys from this or that club. They didn't even really bother to kind of kick the tires on anyone from Lansing after Lansing folded last year.
2: Yeah. Well, I do wonder if, um, no, I know that uh, Coach Shimmy has an in, especially in the Orange County area of California. And I wonder if with the new club coming in, uh, I guess in the next year, even though they're not in Orange County, they're in Central Valley, the Fuego is are, is that going to be harder to get some of those uh, California talent uh, so that we may have some more competition looking at them?
0: So Adam, you grew up in Southern California, at least lived there for a while as you were a kid. You know what what's kind of the relative difference of Central Valley? and I guess this team's going to kind of be in Fresno, but from what I saw maybe Visalia, what is that from? You know the the Los Angeles and Los Angeles suburb area.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like they're legitimately like two different two different worlds. I mean, in, in all honesty, yeah, like they're yeah, uh, they're not the same area. Like, I, I don't think we're going to lose because somebody wants to be in Fresno that grew up in Southern Cal. Like that; those are not the same place. Uh, <laughs> like, I, it's just not like. It, you know, they're four hours from each other, roughly. Um, one is on the coast. One of them is very centralized, and and not a lot around it, other than you know desert. Uh, it's just they're just not the same thing. I, I, like your uh, your only connection is that they're you know they're both in the state of California, but California is one of those states where you know it's just a big difference. Like you're more likely it's- to have somebody who's from like the Bay area that would be willing to be in Fresno than you're going to get from LA area.
2: Well, no, I, I didn't mean it. It was anything cultural wise. Cause my mom, uh, she grew up in Modesto and, and of course they, they had more in common with San Francisco than, than LA, but I'm talking about just being uh, for the staff, being able to focus and to watch the talent coming through California, that they are, they may have, uh, it may be easier for them to find California talent than it would be for us.
1: Yeah, I think, and honestly, I think, uh, and I know, like I brought Nisa up earlier, but if somebody's going to want to stay in Southern Cal and Nisa continues to 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 stabilize itself, I think it's it's still argumentative whether or not they're stable. They've got Nisa's got more of a footprint on the West Coast than USL does, and so. I, I hmm. hope that Fresno team does well, but I just don't think if we're worried about losing Southern California players to someone who doesn't who, who's going to be scouting the area. I think it's where we are actually got two of our players, right? LA Force, right? Or um, yeah, well, San three, Diego team, Ricky
0: Ruiz. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like we're already shown an ability to recruit out from underneath a. What I think most NISA fans would say is at least the same level. We've already proven the ability to do that. I think a lot of that goes to Oblata has more than just hey, hey, I'm from Fullerton, California. right? He's got, hey, I'm from here and I ran top quality youth programs here for years and years on end. And so I think that that's that connection and his connection with the youth organizations is going to give us a leg up that a lot of those other areas don't have. Uh, I do know hmm. that the, from reading about that, uh, Fresno team, and I'm going to call them a Fresno team because that's what they are, um, from reading about that, that team, they do have a youth focus to what they're trying to do, but they're very focused on the central Valley and as they should be. Uh, so I just don't know that that's going to hurt our, our path
0: as, as long as we have coach Obleda there. I think we're in a good spot to be able to
1: recruit out of that area.
0: Hmm. So. That kind of leads into the expansion talk that I was wanting to have. Of course, this 2021, there are not going to be any new teams joining. Um, We're going to have an 11-team league, and my fear, this is kind of a digression, but we'll go there anyway. My fear is that with an 11-team league, instead of having a 30-game triple round-robin balanced schedule where you play half the league home twice, and half the league away twice, and everything's nice and balanced, and everyone plays everyone equally, and you see where the winner comes out. They're going to insist on a 28-game schedule, probably because people have to be able to squeeze their games into the baseball stadium schedule that they have. And it's going to be some weird, unbalanced, you're going to play this team four times, but that team only once, And some other team is going to, again, get some cupcake schedule, end up in second place, thinking that they're really, really good, when really, they just never had to play Greenville until after Greenville had qualified for the playoff. Thoughts on that?
2: (laughs) Well, honestly, everything is up in the air, because even though 2020 is almost over, it's still not going to go back to normal. And I think, yeah, I, I, I have higher hopes for 2021 compared to 2020 as far as what we're able to do. But I do expect we're going to have to make exceptions. Currently, right now, we're not able uh, to go to Canada. So Toronto FC, we don't know if Toronto's going to be in there or not. Uh, so I think it's going to be, I, I think we have a better sense of how to, how to do it. But I expect some hiccups because the pandemic is still going on. Um, I would love to see what you're talking about where we're playing each each side away and home. That would be ideal. But I I've just uh I guess I'm i I'm a little crushed for this last year that I don't think we're gonna get what we want.
1: Yeah, and I think for some reason USL has this idea that there needs to be at least one team you play four times when they build out their schedule. So it's even worse than you're not gonna like I think I think it ends up being even worse than that. Like I, like the, the, the 30 game schedule just makes too much sense. So they're not going to do that. Um, (laughs) and, and so you're going to end up with some weird, like you play these three teams four times and these, um, three teams, three times. And then whatever that ends up being like, it's going to be some sort of weird thing because they're trying to make it more regionalized or, or something right. And, And either way, Tucson's screwed. Um, but, I think the bigger issue here is exactly what Jeff just outlined is nobody really knows when the season's going to start. Nobody really knows how quickly having these various um, COVID vaccines and such being spread out, how quickly will that continue to where normalcy comes? And from a USL standpoint, they want to push that back as far as they can to complete a full season And get full stands because I don't think USL can survive, especially USL League One independent teams, another season of 20% capacity in their stadiums. It's just not feasible. And, you know, you mentioned Toronto, you know, it's no different for Madison, right? Madison can't, if this is, if we're still like this or like we were last summer, and we haven't gotten past that when games start, Madison's not going to get to play at home again. And they're going to be stuck either in Milwaukee or somewhere else again. Like, like Madison hasn't lifted their restrictions. So there's a lot that's just so unknown. But if we step away and say, okay, we're going to be able to get a full season in, what keeps them from having two additional games for each team? It's 20 total additional games, or 20, sorry, 20 two additional games total for the for the league. Can you fit that in? Um, you're really only dealing with, I think, one baseball stadium, which fortunately has lights, which is shocking. Uh, so I don't know how
0: much <laughs> baseball
1: stuff you're going to have
0: to do with. It's good, with. because from the way that social media is, the the fans in Omaha are extremely afraid of the dark.
1: Yeah, I picked up on that, which... But they're not, a, they're not afraid of facing the wrong direction while watching a game, so that's good. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I just... I think that that's less of an issue because there's only the one baseball stadium, right? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, for me, I think the issue is can they get the whole season in, delaying it to May or June if they try to go with a 30-game season?
2: There's more than one baseball stadium. Uh, North Texas plays in what used to be the uh, the Temple... Yeah, the but they're in not Arlington. playing. But, but they've modified it though.
1: Well, yeah, but they're not going against a minor league baseball team. That's a, that's what actually. Yeah,
0: oh gotcha. Gonna oh gotcha, like, okay, oh, yes, okay. Oh, we can't play. We can't play home games any of these weeks because the baseball team is in town, and we've got to gotcha. go stack all the sod in the visitors' bullpen.
1: Right, and and for and a week and, a half. and let's be honest. Our only, our owner really only cares about the minor league baseball team. He doesn't give a darn about the. Soccer team, so you know, because that's the fact. Because if the soccer team is second fiddle um, in that stadium and to that owner, and will always be second fiddle in that stadium and to that owner, so uh, they're always going to deal with that. They're always going to get all right. Well, minor league baseball set their state their schedule. Now we can figure out ours, and that's going to always be a problem. And so that's not me just taking a shot at Omaha. That's just the fact in the in the U.S the minor league baseball team owners that purchase a franchise or start a independent um, non-franchise, whatever you want to call the NISA league teams that also own a minor league franchise are always going to put the minor league baseball team first because it's four times as many games. That's four times the revenue opportunities. That's just a fact. And so that's what's priority. And so there's this fear of losing those minor league teams. A lot of teams just lost them because minor league baseball contracted. That that just happened the last few weeks. If you're not aware, they finally announced who the official teams are for next year. Um, Congrats that's a, to that's the a lookouts, by the way. Yeah, you survived. That, but I'm really curious as to how you suddenly got to where you're at. I'm sure we'll find out about the new stadium that this, the city's helping pay for it at some point. Um, that's just my pessimism <laughs> about how these things work. But... Yeah, you know, that's just a fact and that's not me taking a shot at their owner as much as the owner's a businessman, right? I get 40 yeah. games versus I get 14, that's a simple decision of which one I'm going to make sure I always keep the the big dogs happy and the big dogs in this case in major league baseball. It makes sense. So, rent over.
0: So, <laughs> looking towards 2022, we have one officially announced club. We have a lot of others that seem to be in the very strong stages of getting announced sometime soon. So we have the Central Valley Fuego. We talked about the team in Fresno. Um, there are some very – the the club that is trying to bring professional soccer to Portland already has uh, some kind of merchandise deal that they've put out that the, was on the League One website uh, that goes to to help a local cause – um, it's funny to me, but it's great that they're doing what they can to try to help the community even before they exist as a franchise. Uh, so we'll be seeing Portland, Maine. Um, Adam, I love, I, I still love as much as it hurts me as a, as a Portland, Oregon resident. I love your idea of Real Portland. Um, there is a, a well, they're club going in... city. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I know there's forests well, that are around Maine, yeah. but
2: that, that's pretty much all I, I used to live in New Brunswick so I used to go through Maine that's that's a, that's pretty accurate. Uh, I'm either that or it's going to be a lobster <laughs> reference. So I expect that they're gonna have a guy that looks like Paul Bunyan and as they ought to. if if they have four City right there in Maine and if they don't if their mascot isn't someone like Paul Bunyan, I will be very disappointed.
0: So the great so, thing to me about the club in Portland is it's a real estate developer looking to do something similar to what Bob Martino is looking to develop here. So they're trying to get together to put a real soccer specific stadium in the Portland, main area instead of the minor league baseball owner, just shoving it inside of the minor league baseball stadium.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and so Jeff Reuter with the Athletic has a it seems like an annual Q and A with Jake Edwards of USL, and one of the questions he asks is, you know, what is the league's expansion timeline? Um, and you know, Ruder basically really gets to the heart of like, what are we looking at here? Like, what what what's realistic? And the answer that comes from Jake Edwards is. They expect over the next 3 to 4 se- 3 to 4 seasons to be done with expanding championship. And their focus really is about building out League 1. And his statement which I thought was a massive number is the following a direct quote. There are about 40 active conversations going on now with communities who are interested in bringing a League 1 team to their city. And I believe there are at least 15 active deals being negotiated currently. So let's assume of those 15 active deals, only half of them get done. That almost doubles the size. He also specifically stated throughout the article that they were speaking only of independent teams. And he is not at all worried about MLS pulling all their team all their teams out because he thinks they have plenty for both championship and league one of independent franchises uh, that aren't associated with MLS or USL championship to build this out. So that was amazingly good news, considering this is an article and a questionnaire that happened well after the completion of the COVID-19 shortened slash incredibly impacted USL championship and league one seasons.
2: Well, we have uh, it's interesting that um, a lot of the scare that came that we were going to lose a lot of the MLS clubs and we still could Orlando city B is the only one that has pulled out, And so we still have several, we're expecting them to play, but do you think there's a chance before we get to March that they're going to pull out?
0: You know, from the conversation that we had a few episodes ago with Sean McDaniel, it sounds like, no, you know, the conversations that they must be privy to with those clubs that they like what they're able to do in league one, someone like FC Dallas and what they've been able to do with, uh, with North Texas they they don't want to necessarily take that club and put it in an MLS reserve league some of these guys have bad memories of what the MLS reserve league was like in the late 90s uh so i i'm not too worried about these other clubs dropping out at least not in the next couple of years
1: hmm. and and the reference in that same article i talked about you know it's a it's a it's a exact knock on what you're talking about i think USL recognizes that there's two types of MLS reserve teams. There's ones that are strictly about let's do this for player development and there's ones that also want to win, right? And he basically says he thinks there's great potential for the MLS Reserve League because it provides a great platform to those those teams whose sole interest is player development and it's an appropriate place for their clubs to achieve those goals. I think USL is basically saying, "Please do this. We're tired" of Orlando city be existing in our leagues and making those games (laughs) useless and pointless and boring, but we want to keep North Texas. We want to keep, uh, the red bulls, uh, two team. You know, we want to keep these teams that are consistently competitive at our various levels because we've shown a value in it, right? There's a difference. Like North Texas would not do well, in my opinion, in USL championship necessarily, like, like the red bulls two team does, but, At the same time, they've picked the right balance, right? We want to be competitive, but we also want our young players and give them a chance to succeed. They do that really well. Orlando City B was like, hey, we've got a bunch of 12-year-olds. Let's throw them out there. (laughs) There's a big difference here.
0: All right. Well, let's take another break, and let's go to Adam's interviews with the fans. Adam, what do you have lined up for us?
1: So we get a, a couple different, f- you know, fan connections here. So uh, we're going to listen in to one fan who has basically traveled the League One gamut as a fan and showed up at pretty much every venue. So we get to hear from her and, and what that's like and what it's like trying to get into the, the head of the other team while on the road. So that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> as well as just list- a couple of just, you know, check-ins with a couple fans that, uh, our season ticket holders and what they, why they're season ticket holders and, and what they think. So there's a couple different ones that you'll hear here and, uh, I'll set them up before each interview, but, uh, I hope you guys enjoy them. Uh,
0: also just want to say real quick that they are loyal listeners and we really appreciate their listenership and appreciate them joining the podcast. So.
2: Very cool.
1: I, I also want to mention here that I had to give a massive warning to, uh, Kay baker about uh the fact that we would like to keep our clean status <laughs>
5: so,
1: <laughs> so, uh, to which she said i will do my best uh to which i reminded her that frequently when she's when we're out at like watch parties and my uh daughter who the first time she met her was 10 and um, she's had to apologize to her multiple times for things she said she's like yeah i'll do my best so. all right so we are joined today by superfan Kay baker who has been uh involved as a fan from day one in the stadium uh there in ccs and on as we've moved into chi memorial as well as one of the main representatives on the road for the red bulls so uh Kay, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us a little about a little bit about uh, what it's like being a Red Bulls fan.
5: Sure, no problem. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying talking soccer as always.
1: Yeah. So let me let's start right there. So you, know, you you've got a, quite a few connections to the soccer world. Can you tell those of us those that are listening that that may not know you directly, like what your connection to soccer and, and how you fell for the fell in love with the game.
5: Yeah. So, I I mean, I played as a kid um, and then I played for one year in high school. Um, But my um, I have a niece who uh, went to a D1 school about five years ago and she's a great soccer player. She was the Georgia uh, Gatorade player of the year. She was the um, U.S. player of the year for the Gatorade uh, women's um, soccer player of the year. And so, Brian, my husband and I, we started traveling to Durham. Um, for her games. And um, just, you know, knowing somebody that's playing, it, it it helps. And, you know, we we just really enjoyed it. You know, we don't have kids of our own. Uh, we've got a lot of dogs, but, you know, it's easy to find a dog sitter. So, you know, we we have the luxury of, of being able to work on the road if we need to. So we took road trips. I, I mean, when Ella, her name is Ella Stevens, and she's currently playing for the Uh, Chicago Red Stars in the NWSL. So um, she is the reason that I got so rabid about soccer. Um, So that was five, six years ago when she was playing D1. And, um, you know, we would take these road trips. And when she was a sophomore, I had a parent come up to me and the parent thought that I was Ella's mom because we came to so many games. And my sister, who is Ella's real mom, has her own company. She couldn't make as many games. So uh, so that was kind of kind of funny. We laugh about that a lot. And then, uh, you know, when so I mean, that's that's why I love soccer so much. You know, I'm from Atlanta originally. I live in Chattanooga now. But, you know, when the Atlanta United started up, I followed them, obviously. Um, my sister, whose daughter is Ella, she played in a very it's a, like a minor league semi pro uh, soccer team down in Atlanta. I don't remember the name of it, after college, and she played in college. So that's where my niece gets her soccer talent from. Um, and, and you know, it just kind of grew from there. I mean, you know, I've been here 11 years, and the CFC was always here. And we'd go to a game or two a season. But when the Red Wolves announced they were coming and the league that they were in, and I knew it was a, a professional league, it just really excited us to have a professional team here um, in Chattanooga to follow and to get in, kind of on the ground level, where you know you could just watch it grow from its beginnings, and be a part of that. That was really exciting. And you know Chattanooga is a small town. We know a lot of, of people that love soccer. Their kids play soccer, and this is a way for us as adults with no children to connect with with other people that we might otherwise not ever meet
1: that's that's awesome so you know you, your story sounds a lot like a lot of Red Bulls fans in that you know it's not that we're anti-CFC which is one of the big things that people seem to assume because a lot of the CFC only fans are kind of anti-Red Bulls is that it was just something different it was something that was an established professional league that, that gave it kind of you know almost more standing than just okay like what we're dealing with now where CFC is working their way through a very different style and I hope it succeeds. But, it, you know, I think you, you kind of pointed out perfectly, you know, it's a known league that you knew what you could expect, some professional standards that would be there. And so following up on that, that idea, you know, you've watched, you know, the Red Bulls from, like I said, at CCS onto CHI Memorial, what has been your impression of, of how they've kind of acted in that professional manner? Um, and I hope I'm not setting you too much up to, to rip on the team, just in case they're listening.
5: No, I, I have them all on speed dial. If I have something to say, trust me, they know. Um, no, but seriously, you know, they, the first season was, it was just a little awkward. And, you know, we didn't know what to do. I, a lot of these, the guys that were on the inaugural season had played in other leagues before, uh, you know, USL championship or, or maybe NISA or, or what are, some of the others. Um, so they had been around. I mean, I was struck that they, um, you know, they were very fan friendly it was really easy to get to know them, and this was pre-COVID, so we had a lot of events uh, with them, and they're just really great guys. And I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a anywhere close to as athletic as these guys are, but I have, I have some athleticness in me, and I compete in in different events, um, so I really appreciate athleticism. And to me, soccer is. It's all that and a bag of chips. I mean, it's forty-five minutes nonstop. And it's just action. You don't even have time to go to the bathroom because if you do, you're gonna miss something. And I used to be a big baseball fan and I'm from Atlanta, so of course I followed the Braves. And now when I even hear a Braves game on television, it is so boring. It's so long, it takes forever. There's not a lot of action and it's just too much. And and soccer is just so fast and it's athletic and the guys and women too, who play, obviously I'm, I'm all for the women, women's teams. They're just fast and they're tricky. And I like to watch them, you know, just do little jukes here and there. And they, you know, I just really appreciate their, their strength and their athleticism. And when they're fast, I I really like that, which is kind of a change from season one when in 2019, you know, the team, they had some fast players, but they're, style was not fast. And I noticed that change significantly in the 2020 season um, from the get-go and the players, it was constant movement and, you know, very aggressive. And that's, I like that. And, you know, even if we didn't score, but one goal, there was action. So it wasn't boring in between goals. So and then the you know 2020 there were some different guys. They brought back a couple of the guys that we knew from before, so that was nice for the continuity. Um, and all the guys, they're just you know to come to drop everything and move to a strange place. Chattanooga, half of them probably didn't even know where it was on the map when they got signed. Um, that dedication to me, and I, I just appreciate that in a person and an athlete to be that committed to a job where they're not making a lot of money, um, but to move. And and spend you know nine months in a city that they don't know, and I think a lot of them assimilated really well and ended up really really enjoying it here. Um, at least I hope that's true. That's what I heard. But yeah, I, I think the teams fit in great.
1: And I would argue that that's one of the advantages that Chattanooga does have is that when people come to our city, they fall they end up falling in love with the city as well. Um, from player standpoint, I mean, if you look historically even at usl championship you don't typically have a lot of players that will be there for more more than maybe at most two years and we're seeing a number that are coming back for that third year and i think you know part of that is those are players that have a a longer connection to coach oblata than than maybe traditionally you would have as as he coached some of these guys in their youth or or they knew him through the youth program so i think that gives them a little bit more confidence in in what they're signing on for but i think the city helps with that i mean just Full, disc- full disclosure, like, uh, I'm not from here either, originally. And, you know, th- this is one of those towns that once you get to know it, you start to really realize there's a lot that this offers on top of just, you know, the great facilities that the Red Bulls are putting together. Um, so let me ask you a question that somewhat falls online line with that. One of the things that you have done, and you kind of reference this with your your time following Ella around, is you get an opportunity to go on the road a lot, and you've actually done that with with the Red Bulls. So I'm just going to be more specific on this. I mean, I know you've been to a lot, like a lot of different locations. Which one of those road games was probably your favorite venue to go to?
5: Um, well, the first road game we ever did was in 2019. It was in Greenville, and that always has stuck out to us because the people at Greenville were so nice, and you know there was no, it just was a, it was a really enjoyable experience. I think there were some other Red Wolf fans that were there, but it was probably one of the first games of their, their existence. And so we didn't know each other. Um, but th- the people there were so nice. And then, you know, in 2020, when Greenville came here to our new stadium, our seats are, you, you know, where they are. They're like, 50 yard line, we're like on top, we're on the fourth row, at least this season we were. And we, you know, we give the coaches a hard time. We give the other side a hard time and we're right near the the visitor's bench. And the Greenville coach, um, after the game, he was so nice to us. You know, we keep it clean to the extent that we can. Of course, there was one instance where the other side was not so nice to me, um, Statesboro. And um, so we gave it right back to him. But the coach from Greenville was so nice. And he said, gosh, you're, you're, you fans are great. I you know, really appreciate going on the road and having fans that are so into soccer like you guys are. So that always stands out in all of our road trips. But I'll tell you, the, the most fun trip we've done was this year. It was the last game of the season for us, and it was in Richmond. And I hated the stadium, and I hated the setup, the seats. It's a, what is it, a baseball field or something? It just doesn't look right. But we beat them, and it was awesome to be there. I think we were there from Chattanooga. Um, I think um, two other families were there, but it was just us and the rest of the Richmond fans. And, you no, know, they were not rude, but they weren't overly friendly either. And then their supporters kind of got it when Marky scored the winning goal at the, in overtime or stoppage time, and he ran right over to that corner and just gave it to him um and that was great so that was that was the best game i think so far because a we won and b we knocked richmond out of the playoffs so those are my two favorite games probably
1: you know that should be the the fave right when you're actually accomplishing when your team you're following is is accomplishing something like i get a lot of if you look at a lot of the other fan groups that they've had a lot of events where they've worked together as fans and that's all i hope that as the you know now that we have a set stadium and and hopefully During this upcoming season, with some of the uh, advancements with the coronavirus uh, vaccines and such, we'll be able to get back to some form of normalcy. I look forward to being able to have tailgates and include those fans that come to visit. Uh, I think that was one of the things that CCS kind of kept us from being able to really fully do, um, which I do think you know caused some tension with some other fan groups because they felt like we didn't really include them like like they were used to. Like you know, it's hard to do when you yourself can't even have a tailgate at your own stadium, which is one of the big issues we had at ccs and one of the issues we had with COVID is you know you, you had to be separated out a certain amount they really didn't want to have any sort of tailgating in the in the parking lot because of covid and other things that i think which totally makes sense right like i'm not criticizing on that but that's one of the things i look forward to when i when i look at some of the things that that you've seen like I'd, ford madison and richmond had kind of a a, a together kind of uh, you know count and that sort of stuff i think those things are great when fans can get together hang out. And then when they're in the stadium, give each other hell for, for, you know, that time in the stadium, but do it in a respectful manner that when you're done, you guys can go out and have a beer together and you can give them a hard time for the fact that we scored that winning goal and went over and celebrate in your area. Uh, (laughs) Like that's the ultimate fan standpoint, right? Yeah. Um, So.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. And and I I do have to say, even, even Richmond, you know, no one was ever rude to us. Um, and, And in fact, when we, we went to the team bus to, you know, high five and ring our cowbells after the game. And we were walking back through the stadium and one of the Richmond supporter group people came up to us. And we were a little uncomfortable because we're like, what's going to happen? Because we got a Red, Red Bulls gear on and that kind of thing. And he was really nice. He goes, hey, I'm really glad, you know, you guys came. Congratulations, whatever. I'm sorry we lost. And my husband said, well, you know what? we're glad that you're here because if rich, if y'all aren't here, then we may not have a league. So it's like, we need each other to have this, this experience and, you know, for the guys to have teams to play on, because otherwise, if there wasn't a league one, where would these yeah. guys play? So, you know, they, they, they weren't rude to us. And, and the only rude experience I've had was with the assistant coach for tormenta. Um, and, you know, that was just pathetic on his part because I was just a fan cheering for my team and and he made it personal and very vulgar. Um, But anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's just kind of like, Oh, that's that's just disappointing. Yeah. So let me ask you kind of, I I don't, um, as you know, this is the Festivus episode and we are interviewing a number of fans. We've we've got a chance to interview some uh, people from the, from Biggles Wade, which is a running bit for the soccer chat group, which has gotten a lot of us, really randomly obsessed with this town in, in England. But uh, one of the things that we're asking the fans as we're interviewing is, what are the what is it you're hoping to see uh, as we move forward into the next year at the stadium? And this is assuming the COVID restrictions are gone, okay? Let's just assume that's the case, that they they managed to get past it, the timing of this, we're, we're past that stage. What are the things you're looking forward to in the stadium or what are some things you would like to see the the team implement going forward?
5: Um, well, I'd like for them to do more um, fan team events like they did in 2019. You know, there were some small group type things. And then, of course, we had the kit reveal party, which that was a blast. So I'd love for them to do something like this. And I'm going to plug for the Rusty the Red Wolf um, special kit, if I could. Um, I think that would oh, be Don't a give, don't give <laughs>
1: Alex any. No.
5: <laughs> I, my husband loves Rusty. Oh, my gosh. we If Rusty's going to be there, it makes it that much more exciting for Brian to, to come. So and he loves that he wears a headband. He was concerned he wasn't wearing a mask at one of the uh, last um, shows or the games we went to. I think it was the Breast Cancer Awareness. But anyway, um, so I'd like to do um, party social events to get to know the players. I mean, this year we didn't get to know them as well, I felt like. Um, And But some of those are coming back. Some of those players are coming back. So hopefully in 2021, we'll be able to, you know, have these little smaller um, get togethers uh, with them. As far as the stadium, I'm going to ditto. I want I want tailgates and there should be lights. Right. So the games won't be at noon. Um, So if they're at six o'clock or seven o'clock, we can all get together and we Brian and I can have our plant based snacks. Um, and you guys can eat your hot dogs and chick-fil-a but um and I, I and just want to a brought each, each I, I know st- you hate <laughs>
1: that but I just want to brought at the stadium that's okay, what I you want. can
5: have a, that well I'm sure you put your request in at our at at the uh, at the tasting we did so um but yeah and you know I'm looking forward to the beer wall uh you know pour your own beer which is that's exciting um yeah I, and just more of the same soccer fast I want it fast I mean I want to You know, miss a trick because they're going so fast. And, you know, with Ricky Ruiz and Marky Hernandez, Marky Mark coming back, and, um, you know, I expect to see a lot of excitement. I'm really excited that Ami and Wally are coming back because we didn't get to see them as much in 2020 because of injuries. And, you know, for me, I, I like having those really solid players. I like two solid guys in the center back position. And then I like, you know, one or two midfielders to be those solid players that you can just count on. Um, you know, Wally is a is a brick blank house. Um, and you know, you're not gonna get past him. He's he is built, right? He is stock. So I I like that. And they're he's they seem to just be a little bit more calm on the ball. And not that the other guys are not, but they just they don't ruffle at all. I mean you you do not mess them up. And so I really like that combination of the quick guys on the side. I love the forwards that we had, um, the strikers that we had this year. They were, they were great. Um, You know, I'm going to miss Alex, the goalkeeper, um, because we, Brian and I really got to know Alex um, pretty well. And um, so we're going to miss him, but I know Tim's fantastic. I've heard really good things about him. I'm not worried about the goalkeeper. I'll just miss Alex, the personality. So um, Yeah. I just want more soccer. I mean, Brian and I are so soccer deprived this year because Ella didn't have any games that we could go to. She wasn't at Duke anymore. So we couldn't go to college games. Um, We only had a limited schedule this year for um, the Red Wolves. So next year, we're not only season ticket holders for the Red Wolves, we're season ticket holders for Nashville SC. So, and then we'll be going to Chicago and Ella's games away games as often as possible. So we'll we'll be racking up the miles on the old Subaru <laughs> in 2021.
1: Well, Kay, I, I, don't, I don't want to keep you too long. I really do want to thank you for for taking the time to talk to us. I mean, you can hear the the excitement, in your voice about the team and just your knowledge of the game. But I do have one last question because it's a question that we asked of myself, Jeff and Alex earlier in the show. You mentioned all the players coming back. What's the one player, and this will be our closing last question. What's the one player that's not coming back that you're most disappointed to lose
5: well do we know all the players who are definitely not coming back
1: well so based off of right now so when we when we had this conversation believe it or not we recorded before i did this interview ami was the one that we mentioned that hey if he's not back that's going to be the biggest loss is the one that was mentioned i think by jeff um and then like literally that night they announced ami <laughs> so yeah. or that morning yeah uh, so it's of what's been announced, like who hasn't been announced. So you're looking at like, you know, you already kind of mentioned Alex Bengals and that could be it. it. You know, Greg Hurst has not been mentioned. Beattie's not mentioned like of these players that we don't expect to have back either because we expect them to move up or we just feel like um, cost wise, it just may have been decision to move on um, uh, of what hasn't been announced. Who is it that you would be most disappointed that won't be back?
5: Oh gosh. I mean, you know, nobody likes change. So I don't want any of them to be gone. Um, because I felt like they were kind of, they were gelling really well on the limited schedule and Beattie, you know, was, was 50% um, this year because of injuries. So it would be really nice to have them all back and all healthy. You know, we got Ami, we got Wally, we got, you know, Ricketts, we've got Ricky, Marky. So I, but the one that I just learned about recently, um, Leo Fala is not coming back. And when I, I mentioned earlier, I like having two solid guys center back. And I felt like he and Jason Ramos did such a good job together. And, and I'm not a soccer coach and I'm, you know, I'm not on the field and I'm not in the locker room and I'm not on the training pitch. Um, so, there, you know, I, I don't know. But I always felt like I felt very safe. It, it, with Leo and, and Jason and Jason's coming back. So that's good. But I always felt safe with Leo back there and he'd been here two years. So we had actually gotten to know him in 2019. So I I, I know him um, better than most of the 2020 uh, bring-ins, but so probably Leo um, just because he just yeah. felt really solid back there. Um, I, th-
1: I think that's a great call out because Leo, I a hundred percent agree. I like, think at first, if you looked at the way the coach, Originally, it started the season that he had more of a rotation. And then Leo eh, kind of solidified himself back there because yeah. of the quality of his play. Yeah. And he is going to be missed. I, I 100% agree.
5: I was going to say two more things. Do I have time? Yeah. So, okay. Oh, no, definitely. Uh, I, and, and, and I'm partial to fullbacks because when I did play soccer as a kid, I was a fullback and we never got any attention because the only people that got attention were the goal scorers or the, the fancy tricksters. And we need those too. But it just seemed like fullbacks kind of get well. They were fullbacks when I was playing because I have to date myself now. But, um, and then the one other thing that I really like about this league is you know we've had some players come and they've gone on to other bigger and better things. But I just have to mention this when we went to the the Madison game, it was actually played in Wisconsin and it was played like within a half a mile of where uh, Tony played, Tony Wall, who played for us in 2019, and and he and I still stay in touch. And I was like, Hey, we're coming. If you're in town, you know, we'll get you a ticket. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh, but you should go see my mom. I grew or see, see where I grew up. And he gave me the address. Well, after the game, Brian and I went to the address and knocked on the door and his mom came down and we sat on the porch and talked to his mom for like half an hour. And to me, that was just kind of, that was cool. Cause you know, Tony and I, we may never see each other again, but we connected Brian and Tony and I connected in 2019. He's gone, but, you know, it's just kind of cool because and and Alex is gone and Leo is gone. And if Purse goes somewhere else and Steven goes somewhere else, we'll know them at these other places. And it's other opportunities for us to follow other teams. And for me, being kind of a, a soccer junkie, but not that knowledgeable about tactics or anything like that, it allows me to kind of get more involved in soccer. And you know, that's what it's all about. Cause I just, like I said, I love the game. I love the athleticism. I love the guys and the girls that spend a lot of time and money to do this. And to me, it's inspiring. And I just really appreciate it. Those are my two things.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So on that note, I'm going to thank you again. I didn't cuss. uh, uh, You didn't. So Congratulations. You did better than me. Cause I think I said, an incorrect statement I'll have to beat myself out when I do the editing so yeah thanks. I bleeped
5: myself <laughs> all right well hey thanks
1: no I mean thank you and uh, we look forward to seeing you when the season begins all right we are joined by Brendan Dean one of uh the mini season ticket holders for the Red Wolves and he has been uh, a part of the the supporters group as well as a uh just a a heavily um, impactful fan with engagement with players and things like that. So, Brandon, I want to thank you for joining us for a a quick interview.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me
1: on. Looking forward to it. So we're going to jump right in, Brandon. So give us a little bit of background of what what brought you to being a a soccer fan as a a guy who grew up in kind of SEC country football world.
3: Yeah, uh, well, I played soccer when I was young. I kind of quit playing when I went into high school. You know, everything started American football at that point. Uh, and didn't follow soccer for the longest. And then, and I'm a huge Atlanta sports guy. So when Atlanta United come to town, that's when I picked up back, you know, following MLS and soccer in general. So that's when, you know, Atlanta United really what what stroke of fire there.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. We, we hear that from other fans, too, how having an MLS team just two hours away, even with it being two hours away, kind of brought people back to the game. What is it about, you know, Atlanta United that that, that brought your interest back in?
3: Well, with it being, like I said, with it being an Atlanta sports team right off the bat, I was like, well, I'm going to check it out. And then, uh, you know, I went to a couple of games, and then the, the atmosphere, even going to the Atlanta Falcons game doesn't compare to the atmosphere of Atlanta United game, especially in the supporter section.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's
3: watching more games.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the interesting thing that I think a lot of non-soccer fans don't realize is, you know, if, from an outsider looking in, if you're just watching, you know, the base game and you don't really know what's going on. I get the attitude that a lot of fans have that it, it would be boring or, or whatever, but once you get to know the game and then just get to experience a true atmosphere like Atlanta United has created, yeah. it's it's hard not to fall in, fall in love. You know what I mean?
3: Well, yeah, it's, and I tell people all the time when I talk to them, it, you know, once you understand the rules of the game and it's not just kicking a ball around the field like it looks like if you're not a soccer fan. But uh, yeah. You know, once I started learning more of the game, and then following, of course, Atlanta and then Chattanooga, and then you know back last summer, me and my son went to go see Arsenal, and they came to to the U.S. It's kind of a quickly become an obsession with me and my son. Of course, he plays academy soccer, so yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen I've seen your son play, and I'm gonna be honest, he's already at a level that I never reached, and I played through high school. So he's a pretty impressive. Yeah player in his own right so if you've got a you've got a winner there uh, when it comes to the soccer world uh so let me ask you a, a follow-up question because they give me a hard time being the arsenal fan and and we're struggling a little bit so i'm going to go off off script here on you uh, do you find this year looking at the team does it actually solidify your your fandom by the fact that you're still supporting a team as they've dropped down because it seems for me at least Everyone always gives me a hard time. They're like, oh, you picked the top, you know, a, a top team or something like that. That's always the thing that they give me. And I'm always like, yeah, if you don't count all the other teams that I follow, I'm always following the top team. But uh, for me, yeah. it's just like fo- following a, a struggling team, it gives you an appreciation for what we had, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, when they was doing, you know, better, won the FA Cup and everything, you know, I had friends ask, why'd you pick Arsenal? I was like, well, I guess because they were one of the top six but uh but then with them struggling like they are yeah it really makes you feel appreciate being a fan more Because you're like definitely not a bandwagon fan because you know bernley's ahead of us
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah i don't want to focus too much on that because uh it hurts um but let's let's move on let's let's talk a little bit about what transition took you to the red wolves like I understand the Atlanta United. I understand the MLS, and the fact that, you know, they are the top tier in the U S and that you can't really even remotely match the experience that, that you can experience there at Mercedes Benz. Like you're not going to get that in Chattanooga. It's just not going to happen. No matter how big either of our teams here in Chattanooga become uh, even like I've went to the, you know, the, the semifinal final uh, match that CFC had where we had, you know, 19,000 fans in, or the final match where we had 19,000 fans in the stadium. I also went to the semi, but it, it still wasn't, it's still not the same, right? There's still something about that massive crowd. So when you look at following the Red Bulls, what is it that keeps you coming back? Cause it's not going to be the, the crowd experience because you're not going to get the same. It's just impossible to do. Yeah.
3: Uh, with the Red Wolves, what got me going in the first place was, you know, Brandon, uh, reached out to me, because he knew I started following Atlanta United, and he told me that there was a new team coming to Chattanooga, uh, so I started checking it out, and then, with it being a new professional team in town, and, you know, like I said, me and my son are new fans, so I was like, I'm going to grow, my fandom can grow with the team, you know, from the from the start, and whatever this becomes, you know, 10, 15 years from now, or, or, or what not, uh, and as far as coming back, uh, yeah, it's not the atmosphere, but the the connection you get with the team and with the coach. Like you know, I've talked to some of the players, and I've talked to the coach, so you get that. Uh, you get more of a connection, even you know, even more of a connection than you would with like you know being an Atlanta United fan. Because I'm never going to talk to those players, but you know, the Red Wolf players, they're out right here in my in my town. It's
1: pretty cool on that level well that's kind of one of the things that's, that, that i've really liked about coach obleda because you know he is the you know, second year of the team second coach and he's significantly more approachable than our first year uh, coach and I, I don't want to throw him under the bus so i'm just going to refer to him as our first year coach um and that's something i've really appreciated because even with the covid restrictions he's made himself accessible whenever possible like he still keeps you know the six feet the mask on all that stuff but He's made a point of still keeping it accessible and recognizing that connection with the fans, which I've really appreciated. What is it about him as a coach or his coaching style that you have uh, that you either have enjoyed or that you want to, that you would critique? Uh,
3: his coaching style, I, for starters, I love the energy. Like he's, you know, there's a. You can see it on the field. On the field, you can also see it. You know, off the field, like he's just an exciting person. Uh, you know, his coaching style and the play style. It's exciting soccer because it's it's attacking. You know, they're you know when they lose the ball, they're going back trying to you know, trying to get the ball. They're going to give up goals, but at the same time, they're going to score multiple goals. Uh, so that's you know that's fun.
1: So you know switching gears just a little bit here let's let's look uh, talk a little bit about you know you've you've been a season ticket holder now for i think you were a season ticket holder first season if you weren't you're at every game anyways um you, you've yeah. you've been yeah so you've been a season ticket holder now for 2 years um and you've got to experience CCS and, and what that was and it was its own thing right um no beer sales and things like that that kind of limited a little bit and then the covid year so we really haven't got to experience what a true Season will be in our own stadium, with traditional beer sales and things like that. What is it about this upcoming year, assuming the vaccine for COVID, and all that stuff goes well, that they push the season start back far enough that they're able to have uh, some normalcy, or, where we're having a, you know normal capacities, things like that. What is it you're most looking forward to or, or expecting from the team uh, when we go into the stadium this upcoming year?
3: As far as uh, how I expect them to do as far as on the product well, on the yeah,
1: field. Either on the field or, or, or even at the stadium, like things that you're looking forward to. Like for me, and so I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll jump jumpstart here. So for me, when it comes to the stadium itself, there's two things I'm looking forward to. One, that we can shut the Omaha fans off and go ahead and have our lights up and they'll be still sitting in a baseball stadium. And two, I, I'm looking forward to Oblada getting to add even more of his attacking style as he replaces some of the players that uh, are are leaving that that may uh, have not fit perfectly well or may have had injuries that hampered him last year. So he really fully owns the team, right? So I think of it kind of like when you think of like uh, SEC football or or places like that, they always talk about like that third year is the year that they're that's really their recruits. Well, in the USL, it's, it's the second year, right? Because it's all two-year contracts. So the players you're bringing back are either players that you've renewed for a second year or that you've re-upped for a third. So this is truly his team, and so I'm looking forward to like what will that look like. But for you, are is there certain things at the stadium or on the team that you're really looking forward to?
3: Yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to his play style, his coaching style, because like you said, he's going to have it's going to be his team now because you know there's some guys that moved on and he brought in some some new faces. So it's like you said. Uh, so looking forward to, to that. And I think they're going to be very competitive as far as where they're at on the table this year. Because uh, last year they did great, but the injury, injuries wrecked our season and then the way the schedule was. But uh, as far as the stadium, I'm looking forward to, because we had a decent atmosphere at CCS, you know, with the drums and the and the supporter section and stuff. And looking forward to being able to tailgate at our stadium. Yes. Match and, you know, march from the parking lot up and play the drums, sing, and, you know,
1: be crazy. <laughs> and, and I think you're calling out something that other fans have talked about. Like, we didn't, at CCS, we didn't really have that opportunity because of the limits on, you know, what you could have in their parking lot because it was a Christian school that wanted to kind of limit certain things. And, and so, which makes sense. Like, that's their prerogative. And then we have the COVID year where we weren't, where they really wanted us to kind of stay separate as much as you can. And so, even though they didn't directly come out and say absolutely no tailgating, we as a supporters group and other society, we're not going to do that just because of the implications that could have. Uh, You're going to basically be incentivizing people to kind of hang out in close areas. And so, I am 100% looking forward to the tailgating. That's a great call out uh, because I think that. You know, that can only help us grow that supporters area and, and hopefully just have an atmosphere where, you know, game starts at 7, we're hanging out at 5, we're, we're taking advantage of your ridiculous grilling skills and, and eating some darn good food and then getting into the stadium. So I, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I do have two final questions for you. Here's the first one it has to do with players. When you look at the players we're, that we've already announced we're bringing back, is there any one that that really excites you more than anybody else?
3: As far as the ones we're bringing back, uh, yeah, Jason Ramos, and uh, of course, when they announced the other day, Tommy Pineda is coming back. Uh, so, what is it about the,
1: Ramos? Is it just is it the fact that that he basically calms that 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 central defense down? Is that what you're excited about, or is it the fact that he's uh, can score from 40 yards out. Which one is it?
3: Hard to choose between those two, but I would say <laughs> it's just the control he has on the back line. But the 40-yard shot, you know, that made the ESPN top 10 was, was pretty damn good.
1: <laughs> yeah, agreed. No, All right, so this uh, that brings me that brings me to my last question for you. Then, assuming that the that we're done announcing returning players, and we've actually had a few that have given their Instagram goodbyes, right? Because that's really the only way they can reach out to fans because of, you know, COVID and all that stuff. Can't really hang out at a bar, right? Um, Who is it that you're going to probably miss the most, assuming that they're done announcing returning players? Hmm. Uh,
3: Who am I going to miss the most? Uh, Leo Fola. Uh... I know the easy answer would be Stephen Brady, he was the captain. But, uh, but yeah, Leo Fola. Yeah, I've talked to him a couple of times, and plus him and you know Jason on that back line were fun to watch, especially when they were on our side at the supporter section.
1: Yep.
3: The, the physical play right there at the at the goal. They they were a fun pair. All
1: right. Well, like I said, I didn't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're. A- ridiculously busy man. It, it, it with your employment and the fact that it's cold as ridiculousness outside. Yeah, it's supposed I'm, to be in the twenties.
3: I'm, I'm actually my service fan right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, yeah, that's what I figured. So I don't want to take up too much time. But thanks so much for for joining us and uh and being a part of the Festivus episode. And uh look forward to seeing you at the stadium. Yeah,
3: man. Thanks for having me. Look forward to seeing you off the stadium and listening to the uh, episode
1: awesome so we have reached the uh end of part one the festivus edition local and when we come back we will be uh moving our celebration to, with a little bit more international flair so uh make sure to, to catch part two of soccer chat festivus 2020